0: here and today we're going to take a look at Magic the Gathering. This is another one of those hobbies that I've dipped in and out of over the years, depending on what sets and themes are released, but it's always easy enough to get back into. But first we have some announcements. Starting with some bad news, unfortunately the Tales Unfinished Live Game of Fantasy Age for Wolverhampton Literature Festival was cancelled due to Rail Strikes. We are deeply gutted about this, but are doubling down on our efforts to relaunch the series in its traditional podcast format. It may be a while before we attempt another live show, though. To keep updated, follow the link below. Some good news next, though, as the TTG charity drive organized by Run DMG to help raise money for Doctors Without Borders to deliver humanitarian aid in Gaza finished at the end of January, and we sailed past every goal. The original target was $1,000 and we raised $25,536 in funds thanks to the gaming community which is just incredible. My sincerest thanks to everyone who donated, shared our message and to all of the creators who put the rewards up for the charity drive. With those funds I believe we raised enough to pay for two doctors and medical supplies all through the gaming community. While the rewards have now closed, you can find the link below if you still wanted to donate to the cause. Finally, there's a Project for Zine Quest that I'd like to share with you all. Coming to Kickstarter February the 6th, Blister Critters by Odd Gob Games and the Stillfleet Studio is the world's greatest cartoon animal TTRPG. Play as a cartoon animal who wields bizarre mutations, trying to survive in a vast, cruel suburbia. Get everything you need to play in one boxed set. Pick up the game's intuitive mechanics in minutes, and then take control of a strangely familiar world. Now, the artwork for this by Anthony Grasso is so vibrant and beautifully strange, which I think really sets it apart from other books. And the box set comes with rules, dice, a poster, and my personal favourite, a deck of cards for the game. They have a lot of stretch goals planned too so head to play.blistercritters.com to check it out and if you sign up now you can get an exclusive mini scene. Now on to today's topic, Magic the Gathering. Magic is basically the grandfather of trading card games. It was designed in 1993 by legendary game designer Richard Garfield who since went on to create Netrunner, Battletech. King of Tokyo, which I finally picked up yesterday, and all of its sequels, and Keyforge, which is where my moniker came from. The game is published by Wizards of the Coast, who you may have heard of. Uh, the simple premise is that you are a planeswalker, a wizard who can traverse the multiverse, battling against others in epic magic duels. Think of your deck as your spellbook, which in the game is called your library, so it kind of fits. Um, You use that to cast your spells. To cast these spells, you draw upon the power of the world itself. Mountains, plains, swamps, islands, and forests. These lands generate you mana when you tap them. uh, You turn them sideways on the board, not just tap them with your finger. Uh, So it's important to have a lot of them. Especially as under normal circumstances, you can only play one land a turn. We'll get to land bases and ramp another time. Um, let's talk about the different types of spells. So, on your turn, you can play as many spells as you have mana to cast. These are split into categories that have different playing speeds and types of effects. Creatures are a staple in any deck. You summon them to deal damage to your opponent's life total as well as to defend your own. They come in all different shapes and sizes with varying effects, so you can really build a deck and theme that's unique to you. Now, when a creature is summoned, it has what's called summoning sickness, meaning that it cannot attack that turn or activate any abilities that it would have to tap to activate. These abilities are denoted with a little arrow. However, if a creature has the haste ability printed on it or given to it by another card, It can attack or use tap abilities. You can start to see the sort of synergies that you can create here. Um, Moving on to Sorceries. These are spells with a one-off effect that must be played in your main phase. This is relevant later. They can have some big effects, so this is why they have a slower and less usable speed than other cards. These could be targeted removal of a card a board wipe, or massive damage, amongst other things. Instants, however, are able to be played in your turn or your opponent's. These effects are normally quick things like small amounts of damage, tapping a card, or even negating a card that someone else just played. You can play them in your main phase, at the end of any phase, or as a response if another ability or effect triggers. Honestly, there's no worse sound than tapping all of your mana, for your big plan and hearing your opponent say, in response, instants are the most interactive type of card in the game, so if that's the type of thing that you enjoy, play a blue deck. Enchantments are spells that attach themselves to a target. Uh, You could buff one of your own creatures, stop an opponent's creature from attacking or blocking, and even enchant players. Player enchantments can be painful. So if you don't have a way to negate one, then you definitely need to have some targeted removal in your deck. Artifacts are things like relics or weapons, uh, some of which can be equipped to creatures for a cost. When an enchanted creature dies, the enchantment goes with it, but when an equipped creature dies, the artifact remains in play. You just have to pay again to equip it to something else. There's a whole strategy built around equipping one creature with lots of artifacts and enchantments, which is referred to as a Voltron deck, which is just... yes. Not all artifacts are equipment, though. One of my favorites from back in the day is called Fodder Cannon. Uh, It's not especially powerful, though. It costs four mana to play, and then you need to pay four, tap it, and sacrifice a creature to activate it. Uh, It would deal four damage to target creature. I just love the flavour text on it though. Step one, find your cousin. Step two, get your cousin in the cannon. Step three, find another cousin. So those are the main card types, but there are more that rotate in and out with different sets. The main one is Planeswalkers. These are the wizards who can travel from plane to plane with each set normally having the main characters for the story released as Planeswalkers. They work differently to all other card types as they enter play with loyalty counters on them, as specified by the card. Most of them can increase their loyalty by using an ability, and can spend that loyalty on other abilities, normally with one powerful ability that could change the state of the game. Once they have no loyalty counters left though, they are destroyed, and players can also target them with spells or attacks take them down before their Ultra activates. There is so much more to the game with themes and rule synergies but that's the basic breakdown of the card types. So let's talk about how I got into Magic. At some point in the mid to late 90s, maybe around 98 because of Pokemon, um, I was at a car boot sale with my dad and someone was selling the two-player Magic the Gathering Portal set. The whole thing was still sealed, and I must have got it for like £2. This was back when the rules referred to players as wizards, not planeswalkers. Uh, The playmats had a little glass bead to track your life total, and Portal was also a newer version of the starter set aimed at new players. Um, Power and toughness were denoted with a sword and shield symbol next to them, And the keywords had their full rules description. My dad and I played these decks a lot. uh, So much so that he picked us up the other starter set in 1999 at full price. This was a big deal as he never liked paying full price if he could help it. We customised our decks with the two sets and eventually picked up the core 8th edition starter. Which was released for Magic's 10th anniversary. Using just these starter sets and the boosters that came with them meant that our decks were around the same power level. It wasn't until I started playing magic at games nights I went to play Warhammer at that I found how underpowered my decks were. So I bought a few cards from people's binders but never used them against my dad as it would ruin our home games. Eventually my dad's health issues meant that he couldn't sit at the table to play anymore and when he passed away, um, those decks came to me. Um, I'd keep them in their boxes, hoping to one day play them with my wife or maybe even my own children in the future. Um, but in the meantime, uh, I've continued collecting cards for new decks if I like the themes. The Theros Greek mythology inspired set is the first one that got me back into it, uh, especially as they released a Hydra deck that you could play against as a single player, or in a co-op group. Um, When I started my YouTube channel, I did some unboxing videos for Coldheim and Strixhaven pre-release packs over lockdown, uh, and I bought a lot, a lot of Icoria collector boosters to try and collect the Godzilla alt art cards. Around this time, I also got heavily into Magic Arena, which is a free-to-play game, where you can build decks in a lot of formats and build an online collection. I've broken the game a lot of times with my Scute Tape deck as it struggles to keep up with the hundreds of tokens I spawn in a turn. Um, To talk you through that, there is a card called Scute Swarm that every time that you play a land, it generates a token, an insect token. If you have six lands in play, it generates another Scute Swarm token. Meaning then that for every land that I'm putting down, I'm getting two Scute Swarm tokens. And you can see how this can just keep growing. In the Ikoria set, there was a rules mechanic called Mutate, which meant that you could play a creature um, over another non-human creature as it mutates. Meaning that the 1-1 Scute Swarm becomes normally a 3-4 Migratory Greathorn, which has the ability that every single time that you mutate it, you get to search your deck for a land and put it into play, instantly activating the effect, instantly getting you more of these tokens. It's a really ridiculous mechanic, I have a lot of fun with that deck. But yeah, Arena is a great way to keep involved with the game even if you're not especially fussed by the latest sets, as you're not having to buy physical cards that can be pricey and take up room. Seriously, if you ever want a game on Arena, hit me up. So let's talk about some of the more popular formats of Magic. If you're keeping up to date with releases, Standard is for you. It's a rotating block of sets that are legal in the format, and is what a lot of competitive events play. Basically, there will hit a certain point where X amount of expansions are released, and then that will be the current block that is standard legal. Another competitive format mainly played at events for new releases is booster draft. Everyone opens a booster, picks a card, and then passes that pack to the player next to them. You pick a card and continue the cycle to craft your deck. It's a very interesting format that requires a lot of quick decision making. Then, arguably the most popular format is Commander. Commander is special because it was actually a format created by the fans. Also referred to as EDH or Elder Dragon Highlander. It's a four player game where your deck is built around your commander. Your commander must be a legendary creature, and you can only add cards to your deck that share a colour with your commander's colour identity. For example, if I have Krenko Mob Boss as my commander, I can only use red or colourless cards in my deck, as his colour identity is red. Whereas if I have Kenrith the Returned King, I have access to all five colours and colourless to build my deck, as despite being a white card... He has each color symbol printed on him for abilities. After picking your commander, you need to fill the other 99 cards in your deck. Yep, that's right, this is a 100 card deck. Basic lands are the only type of card that you can have multiples of. Everything else, you can only have one copy in your deck. This means you are going to need card draw or ways to search your deck to ever have a chance for consistency. There's a lot of tactics and depth to this format, especially with deck building, since the whole history of magic cards is legal. Um, So we'll save this for another time, but this is a very casual format. You'll find yourself building alliances with other players at the table to take down the most powerful player, but make sure that you don't get too far ahead for yourself, otherwise... All of those players are going to turn on you. I love this format. I think it's great. Unfortunately, I've still never had a chance to play it. It's not on Arena, and I don't have a local group to play this format with. The closest thing I have is Brawl on Arena. Brawl is a two-player version of Commander, but you start on 25 life instead of 40. And you can also take a Planeswalker as your commander. But since it's a two-player game, you lose the whole diplomacy and social element of commander. Also, if you're playing on Arena, you don't have access to all of the cards that you would in commander. But it's something, and I'll take it. Who knows, maybe I'll finally get a chance to play commander one day. I've got my deck ready whenever the opportunity arises. So... Have you tried Magic the Gathering? What's your favourite format? Let me know as I'm always interested to hear about people's games. Now, I know that this episode is a little bit shorter than previous ones have been, but there is absolutely no way that I can cover everything to do with Magic the Gathering in just one episode. So, we're going to split this into a series. We're going to go through the different formats. We're going to go through some of the different sets and uh, we'll get some people on to talk about their favourite parts of the game as well. But don't worry, I know that we are technically an episode behind at the moment. This episode should have released last week, but due to all of the prep that was happening for the live game, I wasn't able to put it out in time. However, that does mean that you are going to get a second episode this week. And... I'm thinking we're going to have a little look at two-player games as we are edging closer towards Valentine's Day. That episode should be out on Thursday, and I am very much hoping that we can keep to a Thursday weekly schedule going forward. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, and all of those nice things. Take care, and thanks again. Bye-bye.